just by way of a, a quick introduction, uh, when Ron asked uh, Mike and I to speak, uh, Mike called and said, uh, hey, what are you going to speak on? And I said, you know, I don't know why, but I've been thinking about Nathan Scharf for quite some time and, and how much I miss he and Betty. Uh, and uh, Nathan, at I think every conference I ever went to, uh, the very first conference I went to was in California, uh, and Nathan was one of the featured speakers, and he spoke on the subject Shekinah glory. And I think every other time I heard him, he always mentioned Shekinah glory. And I, I kind of got it, but I kind of didn't get it. Uh, and so I told Mike, well, hey, you know, I think I'm going to do something on Shekinah Glory. And he goes, well, gosh, I've done a study on that. In fact, it was a series. Let me send you my content. And when I saw his content, I was like, holy cow. I mean, I put together like 25 verses that I was going to look at uh, in, in the Old Testament. And, you know, Mike had 18 pages. Um, so between the two of us, we had over 20 pages. And I thought, okay. You know what? I'm not going to spend a lot of time researching. I've read what he's written. I'm going to give some of my time, actually the bulk of my time, over to him because it really is some, some great content. So, uh, if you're if you're hungry right now for for the word, I'm going to give you the uh, the appetizer, uh, and, and Mike's going to bring the meat, the entree. Uh, and so we'll we'll go through the the time that we have allotted for myself, uh, and then Mike's going to step in. And then he'll come back after a short break and, and uh, close it out. Uh, but I, I really encourage you to take some notes here uh, because Mike has really got some incredible content and sure made it clear for me and, and hope it makes it uh, clear for you. So, you know, in, in, in honor of all the work that, uh, that Nathan has done for us uh, and others on, on this subject, uh, but especially for, for what Mike has, has developed, and so I appreciate him. Um, just one other shout-out here. I've got my wife sitting next to me, Kathleen, and she doesn't want to be on camera because she's got a cat on her lap. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to thank her because she took Mike's, uh, like, 60 pages of handwritten notes and typed them all out so that I could understand them, and then we put the verses into them. And so that's what we're going to show you from... Uh, the, the presentation, and we don't have to have Tony <laughs> uh, post everything, so, which is nice. So I'm going to share my screen. Uh, we're going to get started here. And uh, Ronnie, give me the thumbs up if you can see the screen. Good to go, sir. All right, here we go. So one of the, the important things that we need to understand is that um, the word Shekinah glory is not in the Bible. Uh, instead, there is a Hebrew word which is Shekin, uh, which means to dwell with or tabernacle. Or it's a dwelling or a settling. Uh, and it denotes the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God. And we know that the divine presence was in the Holy of Holies inside the temple. The question is, where else is it? And so what I'm going to spend my time with here quickly is to show you in the Hebrew uh, where this word shakin appears um, and, and how it's translated, and importantly, that it is in fact a dwelling, uh, and it is specifically a dwelling for, for God. So... As we think of dwellings, uh, this happens to be a, 
picture of uh, is a ancient Israeli uh, dwelling. Uh, and in Exodus 10.23, it says they... Oh, sorry, I need to change my speaker view. Exodus 10.23. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. So didn't leave their place. What place? For all children of Israel had light in their dwellings. The word Shechem. In Deuteronomy 26.15, look down upon thy holy habitation, Shechem, and bless thy people Israel in the land which thou hast given us, as thou swearest unto our fathers a land that floweth with milk and honey. So the dwelling was, in fact, uh, for Israel, was on the land, but thy holy habitation, thy dwelling, was in heaven. 1 Kings 8.30, hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, when they shall pray towards this place, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. Uh, great, great verse for us to keep in mind, you know, that he does hear from heaven, and he does forgive. First Kings 8.39, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of the children of men. Again, the dwelling place. 843, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calls to thee for. That all the people of the earth may know thy name, to fear thee, or revere thee, as do thy people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by thy, thy name. So we have a house that was built for the Lord, a house here on the earth, a tabernacle. 849, then hear thou their prayer and the supplication in their heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Uh, again, dwelling place in heaven. First Chronicles 632, and they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation. Alright, so we have dwelling place and tabernacle in the same place. Until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, then they waited on their office according to their order. And so we had only one person who could go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest, and there was able to be in the presence of the Lord inside the tabernacle, inside the Holy of Holies. First Chronicles 6.54, Now these are their dwelling places throughout the castles and their coasts, the sons of Aaron, the families of the Kohites, where theirs was the lot. So their inheritance by tribe of, of Israel, by family, had a dwelling place. Now, it's not the dwelling place of the Lord, it's their dwelling place. So, we see that this word shakim is sometimes used not only for the Lord, but it does define where the Lord is, either in the tabernacle in Jerusalem or in heaven we've seen so far. Uh, and and so, as we think about that habitation, Second Chronicles 6.2, But I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. Shakim. 621, Second Chronicles. Hearken therefore unto the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which thou shalt make towards this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, and when thou hearest, forgive. 630, Second Chronicles. Hear, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou knowest the hearts of the children of men.
633, hear thou from heaven, the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all the strength that the stranger calls to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name. Interesting, right? All people of earth, not just Israel. <clears throat> and fear thee, or revere thee, as doth thy people Israel. So it's not just Israel, it's all people. And may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. And 639, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer, their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. So, constantly we have this heavenly dwelling. Uh, second, oops, I'm going to skip over those. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. Now this is interesting because, uh, first off, we have a dwelling place of Mount Zion. We know that that was where the original temple by Solomon was built. Uh, not by David his father, but by Solomon. David collected everything necessary that he would need material-wise. Solomon uh, built it based on the design. But we have a cloud and smoke by day and shining of a flaming fire by night. Where have we heard that before? Well, that was part of the Exodus. And I'm not going to get into that because Mike's going to uh, dwell on that even more. Uh, and so with that, I want to introduce Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike is going to take it from here. So, Mike, take it away. Dr. Michael is muted. Thank you. Mike's muted. Hey, Mike, you unmute your, uh, unmute your mic there. There you go. You hear me now? Yes, sir. Thanks a lot, Forrest. Forrest did all the slides for this, all the computer work on this. Uh, I, I was, I said, uh, there are a lot of seven-year-olds of the world that know a lot more about computers than Dr. Mike. I'm sorry. So good afternoon, good evening, and uh, you know that lead-in about me knowing, you know, everything there is to know about this. Well, um, that, you know, whatever. That isn't true. I just put a lot of. Uh, 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 notes together, and I hope that this is edifying for all of you. And uh, by no means is this a um, is this a complete study of of this uh, of this subject because what this subject does is it it takes us across almost the whole scriptures. And so so let's begin. So then, um, should I just start talking for us, or are you gonna? Are you going to click? <laughs> Go ahead and click. Okay. All right. Well, um, what's going to happen in this study is that uh, is that we're going to define uh, Shekinah, which uh, actually Forrest has through the Hebrew word Shakan, but also what's associated with the Shekinah is the glory of God. Kabob. Next, uh, Forrest. Next slide, then. I think, and also the uh, the Greek, um, the 
Greek uh, form or word for glory is actually doxes. And you'll find that a lot in the New Testament. Okay, so here we go again. Actually, uh, the word Shekinah is not in the King James Version of the Scripture. So where did it come from? Well, it originated in what was called the Targums. T-A-R-G-U-M. Well, what's a Targum? Well, in order to understand this, might wanna, I'm not sure uh, what the next uh, slide is for us. Oh, okay. Well, you, you can keep it here. Uh, okay, what is a Targum? All right, so this is the way, this is where the word Shekinah came from, from a Targum. Well, uh, it was a result of, of history, of the history of Israel. Uh, when, um, when Nebuchadnezzar, uh, siege, siege, besieged the, uh, town, or, or the, the city of Israel, he did it three times. And, um, and the last time he did it, he burnt the city, uh, which was in, uh, 477 BC. And uh, then the Ark of the Covenant and people were brought to Babylon uh, during that period of time. And uh, then, then there's a lot of uh, there's a lot a lot going on at this period of time that we should know about. Okay, uh, first of all, in this study, it, it includes the weeks of years of Daniel nine, which uh, that that's something that I can't even touch on because that is a a whole a whole subject in itself. But what this subject is going to uh, involve is it's going to involve uh, the Temple of Solomon. It's going to involve the, the Temple of, uh, of uh, Ezra. And then it's going to involve the, uh, the Temple of Herod. And uh, that's the temple that uh, the Lord walked in. Is, and, and we'll get to that. What, what was the Temple of Herod? And so, okay, from the captivity of Israel to the time of the Lord. Okay, we're going to look, we're going to just... Uh, uh, talk about that right now because um, uh, during that period of time is when this word was developed. Hebrew declined as a uh, as a nation of Israel, uh, uh, as a language in Israel. Pardon me, uh, from about uh, 405 BC, which is when the dedication of uh, uh, of the Temple of Israel was, until the time of the Lord, and so they had a lot of problems uh, problems going on. Their uh, their language. Uh, kind of deteriorated, the temple of Israel, uh, uh, the temple of Ezra, really deteriorated. And basically, uh, uh, Hebrew being spoken of by Israel uh, declined, uh, being spoken of by the whole nation, and especially Aramaic uh, uh, took, uh, took over, uh, as far as the general population. During that period of time, only the priests of Israel uh, uh, were, were ones that kept uh, the pure Hebrew language. And what they did is they, uh, uh, they weren't permitted to, uh, translate, um, their thoughts down, uh, only to speak them up. But eventually what they did is they, is they put all of their, uh, messages of what they gave forth out of the pure Hebrew and they, they eventually put it down. And this is what a targum is. This is what a targum is, and so the uh, and so the word Shekinah actually came from high priests of Israel when Israel was on the decline, and so uh, this word came out of a great source. In actuality, it came out of the high priests and the priests of Israel, even though they were involved 
in a declining temple. Okay, and so this is something I'm, I'm going to mention uh, too, and we're going to get into it. The Shekinah glory eventually left the temple, and we're going to uh, we're going to read about that. Well, what temple did it leave? Uh, well, it left the, uh, it left the temple of Solomon, uh, which is interesting. And so uh, it's it's debatable whether this glory was in Ezra's temple from 405 BC to the time of the Lord. It's debatable. Some uh, some records that I uh, looked over said that this cloud that was in Solomon's temple did not exist in Ezra's temple, uh, but uh, the people in that temple it, it uh, kind of declined into a into a political uh, uh, into a, a place where they discussed politics and they discussed the ways of life and commerce and the people that came there into uh, the declining Ezra's temple just assumed that God was there, and so this uh, this uh, 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 cloud that uh, the uh, the Lord did in fact dwell in in the Solomon's and Solomon's temple was apparently not there in is in Ezra's temple. That's something that should be uh, uh, should be uh, kept in mind as you go. Interesting in the in the. Uh, in the line of David, there was a man called uh, Shekinah, which uh, actually means Yahweh dwells, or, or Yahweh settles in. And so what's really important to know about the Shekinah glory is it talks about God dwelling, or God settling in. It talks about his glory, and uh, it talks about him being with his creation. And so... What also we should understand is that in the Old Testament, in, in these temples, and in the tabernacle uh, in the wilderness, was, which was created in 1491 B.C., right after Israel, is that God was pretty much unapproachable. All right? He was an unapproachable God. He was a God that they feared. He was a God that blasted forth. He was a God that only one person could go into and possibly see this glory. Okay, so what we should understand in the Old Testament, for the most part, is that he was a God that was unapproachable. Uh, did the Holy Spirit touch men? Yes, he did, uh, through prophets and everything. But as far as God dwelling in people, as far as I know, he did not. He did not dwell in them. He dwelt among them, and so his glory was among them, and uh, that's very important when we move into the New Testament, as far as I'm concerned, because when we move into the uh, New Testament after the Son of God, and then we realize what God has done through the Holy Spirit in us, it is shocking, it's amazing, and it's tremendous, and it's unbelievable. Because God doesn't dwell among us, he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, and we're going to develop that. And so now we can go to uh, Genesis 3 there, um, talking about the Shekinah glory, and this is talking about Adam and Eve. I'm going to move down to the end for time's sake, to verse 22, and it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And so we can ask ourselves a question. Did Adam and Eve dwell in the presence of God? 
before they fell? Well, I'm going to say yes. And so I'm going to say that the Shekinah glory was in the Garden of Eden. Was he approachable? Um, I'm not really sure because they hid himself. They hid themselves after they sinned from him. But the presence of God in his glory, I believe, initially was in the Garden of Eden. And uh, I believe that the Shekinah was there. And uh, it, it goes on to say, uh, the man is because come as one of us and his wife to know good and evil. And now lest he be put forth his, put forth his hand and take also the tree of life. So apparently evil cannot dwell in the presence of Shekinah glory. Sin and the Shekinah glory are not compatible. And so the Lord was, was, uh, uh, the Lord was, uh, uh concerned about a, uh, an evil man and woman dwelling in his presence in the Shekinah. So he drove, drove the man out, and interestingly, and he placed at the east of the garden cherubims. And so, and a flaming sword which turned uh, away to keep the way of the tree of life. And so, what is a cherubim? We're going to go on, and if we have time, we're going to develop this. I don't know how much, uh, uh, there's a lot to go. But um, Eden, Eden was a type of the tabernacle because actually uh, the Lord dwelt there. Shekan, and there was actually cherubims there. And so, what did the cherubims, what were the cherubims actually for? Let's turn to Exodus 3, 1 through 8. And I'm going to say this, cherubims that are, are high-ranking spiritual beings associated with the throne of God, the holiness of God, and what they do is they overshadow. They overshadow. That's important. They overshadow and guard the majesty and holiness of God. That's what they do. Uh, Exodus 3, 1 through 8, I'm going to read uh, a bit of it. And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, a bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush. Out of the midst, God called him and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And he saw, Draw not near. Here, put off thy shoes, off thy feet, for the place whereon thou stands is holy ground. And so, this is an example of the Shekinah glory, but you'll see that even if Moses looked on the Shekinah glory, he was for, forbidden to. And so, and then he had to take his shoes off because this was holy ground. And so what I see here is I see the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, and he was unapproachable to man. And here again, these are my thoughts, and... You know, uh, this is just thrown out so that you can study on your own. Okay, uh, holy is called Kadesh in the Hebrew, and it's a consecrated, dedic uh, dedicated place. And in verse 5 of uh, Exodus 1 through 8, you'll find this Hebrew word Kadesh, and it talks about a sanctuary uh, of which the Shekinah dwells in. Turning now to Exodus 14, uh, and I'm going to read part of this because of, of the time. Uh, the pillar of, of, of flame and the pillar of uh, smoke that led Israel 
was the Shekinah glory. And the angel of the Lord of God, which went before the camp of Israel, and apparently an angel was associated this, with this. I don't know exactly why an angel. Uh, that I don't know. Okay, and uh, I'm going to mention this, that the tabernacle in the wilderness, there's three tabernacles, or let's see, one, two, three, four, that should be uh, thought about in this study. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, when Israel came out of, uh, out of Egypt, uh, the year was 1491 B.C., the Exodus. Apparently, the tabernacle in the wilderness was created in the same year, 1491 B.C. And so, in that, it was a movable tabernacle, but in that, you had the Holy of Holies, which was uh, which uh, held the Shekinah glory in it. And so, right after Israel came out of Egypt, the very same year, this Shekinah glory dwelt with them and moved with them in that tabernacle. Now, in 1491 B.C., that tabernacle was created. Uh, moving on to Solomon's temple, his temple was created 500 years ago or so in 915 B.C. And so that was the first solid temple, or let's call it a temple of the Lord. Now, turning back to Exodus 14, uh, the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And so now we find that the Shekinah glory is a protector. It's a protector of God's own. It's, it's a protector and a keeper of them. And it was a cloud and a darkness to them, but it, it gave light by night to these so that one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind and that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right and their left side. And so this was an actual absolute miracle. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it wasn't. I mean, there's history. I think Forrest found a study where chariots were found uh, actually underwater in this area. Don't let anybody ever tell you that this wasn't an awesome, absolute miracle, which we could study about, but we won't. But you'll see that the Shekinah glory kept Israel from attacking Egypt, and then it guided them uh, to uh, uh, to where the sea opened up and they walked across and then uh, the Egyptians were killed when uh, Adam loosed the waters upon them. The, autumn, uh, uh, the Almighty in the Shekinah tabernacled in the cloud, uh, uh, the cloud of the pillar, pillar of the cloud, and by its light, uh, the pillar of light, Israel was safely and powerfully led. And so when, when God's presence in the Shekinah is with them, they have the power of the Almighty with them. Okay, let's turn to uh, Exodus 24. Thanks. And I, I'll read part of this. And Moses went up into the mount, Mount Sinai probably, and a cloud covered the mount. And, and again, uh, the Shekinah glory, how approachable was it uh, in the scriptures that we're reading? And the glory of the Lord uh, abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and in the sight of the glory of the Lord, here we have the glory of the Lord, 
uh, uh, again, was uh, like a, devour, a devouring fire on the top of the mountain uh, in the eyes of the children of Israel. And so they were they were backed off. They were amazed. They were afraid. They were uh, uh, this this uh, awesomeness of God was not approachable to them. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, one man, and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Um, and so this 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 Shekinah on Mount Sinai was was what was uh, incredible. It was. Uh, 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 a sight that Israel would fall to their knees over, would not even get close to. I think if an animal touched this mount, it would die immediately. And so, uh, uh, we, we turn to uh, Exodus 25, 1 through 8. And the Lord speak unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Every man that gives it uh, willingly in his heart shall take me an offering. And let uh, go down to verse 8 for time. And let him make, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell with them. And that dwelling, again, we have glory, we have strength, we have the leading of God, we have the power of God, and we have the settling of God uh, as far as the subject, subject is concerned. Uh, we'll read uh, down there. Uh, it says, a sanctuary is a Kadesh. Uh, the Shekinah abode upon Mount Sinai and the glory of it, and then I have um, I have a, a, a reference to one Timothy there, which is uh, interesting, but we'll, we'll we'll pass that by. And uh, then it goes on in Exodus forty and Exodus thirty seven, which uh, which I'm going to read. Here we go. And Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet therein. Okay, so this is the building or this uh, has to do with the tabernacle in the wilderness, the same year that they came out of Egypt, as far as uh, I'm saying. And so, we, you know, everything that I'm saying, uh, uh, you know, don't believe anything I'm saying. Uh, go out and search it for yourself. Absolutely. That's what we're all supposed to do. And Moses and Aaron in Exodus 40, uh, and his sons washed their feet and their hands there at and they went into the tent of the congregation, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And when they came near unto the altar, which is outside of the uh, uh, of the second veil, they washed. And the Lord, oh, actually, yeah. And the Lord commanded Moses, and he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up up the hanging in the court gate. So Moses finished the work of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled this tabernacle, the Shekinah glory. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud, the unapproachable cloud, let's we'll put that in, abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Again, this was an astounding event to Israel, and they could not approach it. And when, uh, personally, and when God, <coughs> when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys, and so they carried this tabernacle with them. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not until the day that it was taken up. And so as long as God sought fit to dwell there, that was his decision, they, they, they stopped in their tracks, they didn't go anywhere. And so he was, he was actually guiding them again. As um, as he did when uh, they left Egypt, 
For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night. Interesting. In the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The Shekinah filled the tabernacle. Let's move on to Exodus 37. And he made the mercy seat. Interesting. This is a whole absolute volume in itself. Uh, what is the mercy seat? Um, what does it speak of? Uh, well, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood and uh, the propitiation of God and uh, sins being forgiven. There are a multitude of things. Two cubits and a half was the length thereof, and one cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And he made two cherubims of gold. Although, well, all of a sudden these cherubims show up again. Remember the Garden of Eden? What did these cherubims do in the Garden of Eden? Well, they kept it and they guarded the presence of God and the holiness of God from sin. That's what they did. They guarded the glory of God. And, uh, and it goes on to say, out of the mercy seat made he cherubims on two ends thereof, and the cherubims spread out their wings on high and covered or overshadowed with their wings the mercy seat. Really important. The glory of God, the overshadowing of God, uh, the, uh, the guarding of God. Um, and their faces one to another, even to the mercy seat, seatward, were their faces of the cherubims, the garters of the, uh, the glory of God. Okay, so let's uh, let's go on to uh, uh, to Ezekiel. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this glory of God leaving the temple. Oh, really? The, yeah, the Shekinah glory eventually left Israel. Okay, uh, uh, why was that? Well, and which tabernacle or which temple did it leave? Okay, so did it leave the, uh, uh, is uh, Ezekiel talking, Ezekiel 9, is it talking about the tabernacle in the wilderness? No. It's talking about the Solomon's temple, which was built in 915 B.C. Okay, and uh, when did this Shekinah glory leave Solomon's temple? Uh, anywhere between 483 and 477 B.C. Where was Israel during this time? Well, they were in captivity. Oh, yeah, well, they, they were close to being drawn into cap captivity. And so, it was Solomon's temple that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed and burnt, and then took all of the holy vessels of, uh, of, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the Holy of Holies back with him to Babylon. Why did the Lord allow Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Solomon's temple because Israel uh, went into despicable, idolatrous living. And the Lord was fed up with them. And so he decided that he would drag them off to a, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar at this time was, uh, uh, I don't know if I can say a type of Satan, a type of the world. And uh, the Lord said, well, my people, many times they went up and down and up and down in worshiping him, and he said he had enough, and um, he had uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of the world, drag him off. And then he had Solomon's temple destroyed. And so uh, what happened to the glory of God? Well, did the glory of God leave the temple? Did the Shekinah glory leave the temple? Yes, it did. What temple did it leave? It left Solomon's temple. Okay, so there's another temple that's coming after Solomon's temple, and that's the temple of Ezra. And then we're going to go on from there. So in Ezekiel 9, it states, He cried 
also in my ears with a loud voice saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lies towards the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand, and one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of God as Israel was gone up from the cherubim, gone up from the cherubim out of the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house, to the threshold of the temple, he called to the man clothed with linen, which had a writer's inkhorn by his side. And so this is the movement of the Holy of Holies out of Solomon's temple. It went from the Holy of Holies out to the threshold of Solomon's temple. And now we turn to Ezekiel 10. So the Shekinah glory of God is leaving Israel, which is a real devastating thought. Now, the uh, Ezekiel 10. Now the cherubim stood on the right. Interesting. The cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in. And the cloud filled the inner court. And so now <coughs> this uh, now this Shekinah glory is moving out of the temple. You can see that picture. Then the glory of the Lord, the glory, went up from the cherubim and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with a cloud, the glory of the Lord. And the court was filled with the brightness of the Lord's glory. Okay, he's moving out, he's moving out. And the sound of the cherubim's wings was heard even to the outer court. Uh, you have an inner court and an outer court, as the voice of the Almighty God speaks. And so this was a remarkable happening going on. The leaving of the Shekinah glory from Solomon's temple. Let's turn to Exodus 10, 16 through 19. And when the cherubims went, the wheels went by them. Well, you know, that's a whole other study again. What are these wheels? And when the cherubims lifted up their wings to mount up, from the earth, the same wheels also turned, not from beside them. When they stood, these stood, and when they were lifted up, these lifted up. Also, these wheels were associated with the actual cherubim. For the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims, and the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth, in my sight, and they went out, and the wheels also beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the east gate. The Lord's going to come in from the east of the Lord's house, and the glory of, of the God of Israel was over and above them. Now let's turn to Exodus 11. And so we have the Shekinah glory leaving the tabernacle, or actually I'm going to call it the temple, We'll call it the first temple of God because there was a tabernacle in the wilderness and now there's going to be two or three <coughs> temples that we're going to talk about uh, after after uh, a uh, after a thumbs up was given to Ezra and Nehemiah to build Ezra's temple. So then we uh, we go on in in, uh, in Ezekiel 11 and it says, but as for them who heart walk after the heart of their despicable things. And their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, saith the Lord God. Uh, then did the cherubim lift up their wings and the wheels beside them, and the glory of God of Israel was over them above, and the glory of the Lord went up from
from the midst of the city and stood upon them on the upon, upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. And Mike is going to say that this was the Mount of Olives, and that is a shocking reality. Where was this mountain? It was on the east side of the city. Where was the Lord's transfiguration? It was on the east side of the city on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so these aren't just, you know, quizzically, uh, you know, uh, funny, interesting things. These are really important truths, I believe. Not that I'm speaking of that, it's just right in the scriptures. Okay, the Shekinah glory of God returned to the Israel, and now we're going to move into the New Testament. So, did the Shekinah glory of God, did it exist, exist in the temple that Israel, or that Ezra, in 405 B.C., did it exist in Ezra's temple from 405 B.C. to the time of the Lord? Mike's going to say no. Mike's going to say no, that's my opinion. But the Shekinah glory of God came back in the Son of God. And now the glory of God is approachable. And that is big. That is big, big, big in my mind. The unapproachable God is now approachable in a humble, sinless being. Think about it. I mean, really. I'm, you know, I'm throwing this out. Um, you can say, well, you're crazy. That's okay. That's okay. So the Shekinah glory of God, I'm going to say, Return to Israel in the person of the Son of God. Oh, yeah? And now God, the glory of God, was approachable. Do I have scriptures to back that up? Well, the glory of God, the doxase, the Greek doxase, is all over the New Testament. The glory of God is all over the New Testament. And so let's read about it. We've got about... Uh, well, like a few minutes, but now we're going to get into the New Testament. And again, the things that I covered over, uh, you know, there's massive amounts of uh, uh, things to do, uh, things to study, by the way. Okay, so what was Herod's temple? Let's, before we introduce the Lord, let's, let's, uh, what was Herod's temple anyway? Herod's temple was built in 19 BC. You know what, 19, the Lord came in 29 BC. So what is that? That's 40 years before the Lord came. What was Herod's temple? Well, actually, Herod's temple was Ezra's temple. Ezra's temple at this at this time was in severe decline. And so, as far as what I studied, Herod, because of uh, Herod was a uh, he was an into himself guy. He he probably didn't more or less do this for Israel. He did this because he was Herod. And so what Herod did in 19 B.C. is he took the uh, Ezra's temple, and uh, that was in severe decay, and he rebuilt it. And this is a temple that the Lord walked in, Ezra's temple. By the way, it was also the temple that was destroyed by Titus in 70 A.D. And this was not the temple in, of the wilderness. It was a restoration of Ezra's temple. So actually, Titus destroyed temple number two. Even though Herod built it, and you might say, well, this is temple number three. Actually, he just rebuilt Ezra's temple. And so now, in a couple of minutes, we're going to introduce the Lord. 
Jesus Christ, the Lord Christ Jesus, our head and our Savior. What about him? Well, all of the Old Testament looked to who? Everything that was involved in, the, in these temples, the tabernacle, every square millimeter was speaking forth types of who? The types of the Son of God. And so if you were Israel, if you were a man of Israel uh, that knew about who was coming, you could see all of this glory and everything that was done in the tabernacle, in the wilderness, and in these temples. It all spoke of the coming one. I mean, really. I mean, really. So, uh, that shocks my mind, really. And then, uh, we could say, well, Israel, they really failed. Well, don't be too judgmental, because we are sinful and we fail. Okay? And so, they're only human beings, but, um, uh, whatever. And so, let's read Matthew 1, and then we'll stop here, and we'll pick it up with the New Testament. And it reads, uh, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now we have God the Holy Spirit involved. And uh, who is God the Holy Spirit? Is he equal with the Son of God? In being God. Is he equal with God the Father? As being God. Well, uh, God the Father has, you know, we have a triune God. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you could say, well, God is the will, and the Lord carries out, the uh, Son of God carries out the purposes, and God the Holy Spirit witnesses it. But is God the Holy Spirit any less God? than the Son of God. I mean, something to think about, okay? The Father is the director, we could say. The Son is the producer of the direction, and the uh, Holy Spirit is the witness of it. But is God the Holy Spirit any less as far as being God? It's an interesting thought. Okay, I'm just saying that, because what happens in the New Testament has a lot to do with God the Holy Spirit, which I don't believe was seen a lot in the Old Testament. And so, am I taking any of the zeal or credence away from God the Father or God the Son of God? No, not, not whatsoever. I just hope you understand that statement. Turning back to Matthew 1, it says, uh, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for thou shalt save his people from their sins. And now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall bring be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. So we think about all about God in the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament, and we think of him uh, that Israel saw as the unapproachable God, and now all of a sudden in the sun. We have God in our midst. And so uh, I'll, I'll stop and be back with that.